politicians aren't experts in everything, but business people know what they're not experts in, and then they go and get the experts. And consequently, our budgets are much more lean, and we bring a lot of idea efficiency to roll things out to the table, I think, with far more success than do people that don't have that mindset. Welcome to Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassor, and this show is here to support your interest in center-right politics, policy, and breaking news. Listen in and discover how to awaken your inner ideal candidate, and if you're ready, how you can jump in and change the world as a runner or a supporter. Welcome to Political Contessa. If you or a friend have ever considered running or you know a woman who should, I've got something just for you. My quick guide called Secrets from the Campaign Trail. It will show you five signs to tell you you're ready to enter the political arena. To get these tips and learn about all new podcast episodes and ways to get involved, head over to politicalcontessa.com. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassor, and I'm your Political Contessa. Today, I have with me Loring Barnes. Loring is running for state rep in Massachusetts. Every state has a different type of legislative setup. Massachusetts has the House of Representatives, which is our state House of Representatives, Our entire legislature between the House and the Senate consists of 200 people. Republicans are incredibly underrepresented, which means that democracy takes a hit in Massachusetts because of that underrepresentation. So Loring is running for a newly created district seat based off of the gerrymandering in Massachusetts, but she decided to run because she's the only person in this race who has successfully navigated complex public and private sector relationships with insights from current issues facing all of the towns that this new district would represent. She's also the lone business person among a gentleman in the race. Note, she's the female, and then she's running against a guy, but she's the only known business person. He's a political hack. She understands what it takes to make a difference, and she understands how it feels to be a taxpayer and to know what it's like in her neighborhood to have to open up a tax bill and to see and to feel what everyone else is feeling. And so Lauren decided to take this jump into political office, even though she is a consultant. She is a marketing consultant, communications consultant, not a lifelong politician. This is a note for you. Anyone can run for office. You may not think that you're ever going to do it. And sometimes that opportunity comes up. So I'm very, very happy to have Lauren here with me today because I am interested to know what it's like to go from someone who has been in the business world to suddenly take that leap of faith into politics. So Lauren, Thank you so much for being here with me today on Political Contessa. Jennifer, I'm a longtime listener, and I feel like now I'm a first-time caller. So thank you so much (laughs) for having me. This is great. 
It is my honor. I love following your race. My favorite part, and you know, my listener cannot see you, I can see you, but my favorite part, and hopefully you go to Loring's website at Loring, L-O-R-I-N-G, Barnes, B-A-R-N-E-S.com. And you can see her colors, but Loring is wearing a bright orange t-shirt. So Loring, okay, you go from just being a normal person, <laughs> a you know, in business, making money, living the dream in one of Massachusetts' beautiful towns, and a new district is created, and you think to yourself, <laughs> I think to myself. I can't sit on the sidelines. I've never been somebody who sits on the sidelines. And I looked at my tax bills. I've been somebody who's been very involved in our community. I've lived here for 30 years. And my tax bill is like everybody's tax bill of late. My taxes are going through the roof. My services are not commensurately increasing. They're in fact going down. And I actually really can't find fault with my town anymore. Because it's really the state, our state has been coming through with a tsunami of unfunded mandates that may be, may be very well intended, but they're very expensive and they are never accompanied with a checkbook. And so when we go to our town meetings, and this district represents four towns, and we go to our town meetings, our town meetings begin with, well, before we do anything that our town and our residents want to do, with our tax dollars, the state is requiring us to do X, Y, and Z. And when that in fact happens, it means that we've lost control of our money. And I felt really angry because it is our money. And so I was kind of riveted into action. I looked at the political landscape because I didn't feel that we had representation that was taking our dissent back and asking for better solutions. And I looked at who was running and I said, you know what? I feel I have more qualifications, more proven skills, more ingenuity, more creativity, frankly, more likability than the people who had put themselves forward. And I figured we can't do any worse than we are. So I'm going to go for it. And here I am. I love it. All right. So good reason to actually run. It's kind of the first thing I ever ask anyone because I don't want it to be, eh, I have nothing else to do <laughs> or, or it just seems like, you know, a nice, easy paycheck, you know, which I feel like there are unfortunately a lot of people who run for office because of, of that. So I love the qualifications. I love the perspective on why it was important to run. So now, you know, I think a lot of people also feel as though, candidates, most people who are in office are lawyers, are lifetime politicians, were poli-sci majors. So you bring to the job, the business experience. And so how do you think that that will um, translate to, to the folks that you're, I mean, look, campaigning is campaigning. It doesn't matter. You're a Republican, you're a Democrat, you're, you know, an alien, like as in from out of space, which I feel like sometimes 
candidates, especially Massachusetts are. But <laughs> but it doesn't matter what your party is. Campaigning is the same thing for everyone. It's it's knocking on doors. It's meeting people on the streets, meeting people at the supermarket. It's all of that. So how do you think your business um, acumen translates to these folks and not being a politician? Oh my gosh, it is the strongest calling card I have, I think. People really respect it and it resonates for them. You know, most people with whom I speak either are actively employed in some way. They are perhaps a small business owner, which I am. I am an LLC consultant in the state where being an LLC is the most expensive in the entire country and shouldn't be and doesn't need to be. And business owners really feel frustrated that government works so inefficiently. My orientation from business is to look at things with a really strict discipline around budgets. We do zero-based budgeting. We don't just simply add percentages on top and then go from there. We look critically at what is working well and what is not. We look at where experts are aligned within our organization, whether or not we can bring in or should be bringing in partners from the outside. A lot of what happens legislatively really shows the vacuum of information. And we happen to be in a district, Jennifer, where there are fabulous entrepreneurs to fortune-ranked businesses that are experts against the issues that are driving some of these big legislative initiatives in the area of clean energy and environmentalism and water purification. And yet they're not a part of these legislative conversations at all. Politicians aren't experts in everything, but business people know what they're not experts in, and then they go and get the experts. And consequently, our budgets are much more lean, and we bring a lot of idea efficiency to roll things out to the table, I think, with far more success than do people that don't have that mindset. And, you know, I've heard time and time again that my opponent uh, touts the fact that he was tasked with overseeing a, quote, $12 billion federal agency budget. And that sounds really exciting and impressive at first blush. But as a taxpayer, I read that as $12 billion. I certainly hope you solved the problem that you were tasked with uh, using taxpayer money with because I'm the candidate who can stand forward and say, really, because I was given a $0 taxpayer budget and I created a service that continues to bring the Commonwealth revenue up to this day, now decades later. And I think taxpayers are looking for that type of solution. I think business thinking is very, very different. It's very much on track with uh, where our current governor is because he comes from business. Yeah. And and I mean, let's face it, in Massachusetts, we do have you know big businesses like State Street, Fidelity, you know, those those guys are here. New Balance is here, you know, and they're wonderful and they employ so many people. But there are also, what, 99% of businesses in Massachusetts are small businesses, right? That is so, exactly correct. So if we're, if we're looking at really what is needed in our legislature here, it is less political hacks 
And it is more people who understand what it's like to run a business. It is people who understand. I, I, I have friends that own, you know, the local clothing store, local florist, the local art store, the local home store. And I always think you make the best candidate because you understand the issues that are most important. And so, um, you know, I, I think, of course, I'm a big fan of yours. And I think that you would be perfect in this office in Massachusetts. I don't want this to be Massachusetts, so Massachusetts focused. So I won't go on my millionaire's tax tangent, because I really want to talk about, I really want to discuss with you what it's like running as someone who has, you know, really has not done this before. So, so I know what it was like for me, and I've, I've done a podcast on this before, and what it was like for me to run for office, what it meant for my social life as a divorced woman killed my social life because I didn't want to go out anywhere because I was running in my neighborhood for my kids, for my mom who ended up having health issues at the same time as I was running. So what are the realities that you see as a woman running for office for your life and your family? Well, it's certainly the biggest, the biggest four letter word of this is time. Um, it's a significant time commitment and it's all time consuming. So I am fortunate because I have a, a husband who has made the commitment with me and anybody who says, don't worry, honey, or don't worry, kids, I'm going to do this alone and you will be unaffected is kidding themselves. So if you're going to do this, I think you have to have really heart to heart conversations with everybody and say, here's the deal for X amount of days, your life is, and, and our life together is going to be upended. I have excused myself from dinner prep and all sorts of other customary uh, activities that were part of our family life with our golden retriever until November 10th. Our election day, as you know, is November 8th. I decided that on November 9th, I could sleep it off. Yes. So I reemerge <laughs> re on November 10th. And also you have to find your voice. So it's really tricky in a blue state in particular. I, I would say any one party state to, to women, it's really tricky when you have to put a stake in the ground. There isn't a state in the country that has um, a middle of the road plan. So um, for me, it was really clear to me that uh, my value set is that if government ran more like a business, that um, things would be better financially for all of us. And I think service delivery would be more efficient and we would do more collaborations and we would have some collapsing of some of the entities uh, that now are bloated and bureaucratic. And so you have to just feel confident that what you have to offer is what you know to be true and to yourself. And for me, it's really getting people to focus on what's local. I'm not running for the White House. And it's really important to explain to people, I know we're upset about any number of things. We could pick a long list between the two of us and all of our listeners could have a long list of things that they either ups are upset with themselves, don't find affinity for, uh, vehemently disagree with, you know, or want changed. But I'm running for four towns. There's other people down in Washington, D.C., whose responsibility it is to worry about those other things. So my job is to just worry about over which this role is designed to have an impact. And I think when you are able to have that type of a conversation 
it's more effective. Now, I will say to your listeners, there's been a lot of surprises in this for me. Most of them very positive. Most of them people are receptive. They certainly see in me and the energy of the people uh, who I've met along the way, who have joined in this effort, who have, were all volunteers. Everybody in this effort is a volunteer. I don't have any special groups holding signs. I don't have anybody on a payroll. So everything that is happening is out of the goodness of everybody's heart and their belief in me and their belief in having balance in our legislature and having new ideas and a new voice and new energy. And all of that said, I've been flipped off while holding a sign. That just happened last mm-hmm. night. Uh, that was kind of a shock. That took mm-hmm. an effort. And uh, I've also been shooed off as if I was a fly mm-hmm. um, in person. And I think that's why people are really sick of politics. It's so negative. It's so unnecessary. The person doesn't know anything about me. They probably would really enjoy me if they sat down and had, you know, a glass of wine, met me at a met me at somebody's house, met me on a tennis court, whatever would be the reason for our meeting. But they completely judge me on the basis of one characteristic and they put me in a box. And that's what's wrong with politics. And I think the best thing anybody can do is know that you have to have a thick skin going out there. So that's something that you have to grow with every day. And it is absolutely going to change your life. But I'm focusing on the positive changes and those two people. I wasn't going to change their minds anyhow. And that's what's wrong with, with our general society right now is the negativity. And I'm oh, yeah. not a negative person. Oh, yeah. You know, it's almost um, one is joyous and, and one is exhausting. But, you know, it's almost like being pregnant or being a parent, right? Like when you first get pregnant, you're all excited and then you grow and you grow and you grow. And it's like every day you're like, oh, wow, I don't remember what it was like yesterday. Right. And it's almost the same thing with growing the thick skin when you're running for office or you're working on a campaign and you see those things. I remember running and having this wonderful conversation with this older woman who then said, and I assume you're, you're a Democrat. And I said, well, it's a nonpartisan race. And she said, does that mean you're not a Democrat? And I said, we just have been talking for 30 minutes and you like me. And she goes, oh, you're the Republican. And I said, wait a second, hold on. We just talked. You liked me. I had you hook, line and sinker. And now (laughs) you say, I can't vote for you because you're Republican. My race was nonpartisan. So, you know, it was really pick the best of the candidates. But it, it took a lot. And I got to the point where I realized, well, you're not voting for me anyway. And yes, every vote counts. And I have tried but I'm not going to keep hitting my head against a wall. And when you're running for office, if you're really doing your job, you do run into some people over and over and over again. You can't get away from them. And you know that they're just going to waste your time. They're not going to vote for you. And you should really go find new votes instead of continuously trying to convince the person who's not. But it is really interesting because you get to a point where you're like, oh, yes. I I know exactly what I'm going to get asked about. I know exactly what I'm going to get harassed about. And what I also find really sad is the rearview mirror politics, right? The, well, who did you vote for four years ago, two years ago, eight years ago, 20 years ago, instead of the forward looking, which is what are you going to do? What are you going to do representing my interests? And I don't want, I don't care who you're going to vote for in two years from now. 
I want to know if I voted for you and you're in office, what are you going to do? Is your door going to be open? Is your phone line going to be open? Are you going to be present, right? Like, are you going to be available to me more so than who did you vote for? And that's what's unfortunate. Like you said, like, you're not running for the White House. The national issues don't apply to you. Massachusetts is its own place. Oh, you know, I believe in states' rights. I think all of us, we are very different. I do a radio show in Idaho. Every time I do it, it's so funny. I'm like, you, listen, I don't disagree with you at all all on your politics, because those are your politics in Idaho. And my politics are my politics in Massachusetts, right? So anyway, okay, let's get back to this. So let's talk about some dirt and gossip. So trolls, let's talk about those trolls that find you on social media. And let's talk about the people who lie to your face and say, I'm with you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then they disappear into thin air and you never hear and see from see them again. Let's talk gossip. That is a new experience for me as well. Um, Again, trust your intuition. Uh, I have to say I was probably a little bit naive about this because I always look for the good in people. And I think that's what most of us do. I received an email from a woman and uh, she had a long litany of uh, positions that she wanted to know about where I stood. And uh, some of them, I wasn't even sure what they were because they were completely far afield from the scope of this particular role in my state. But I did research. I went down the rabbit hole because my intent was to actually invite her out to coffee. I'm not to simply reply by email, but to go and meet her for coffee and uh, introduce myself. She was a small business owner herself. And then it turned out that uh, she had, in fact, donated to my opponent three days before she sent this email. So I thought, you know, really, was that was that necessary to waste my time? I called her back rather than email her. And I said, it seems that you are satisfied that you're, um, you have found uh, the candidate of your choosing. I just wanted to acknowledge your email. But honestly, I thought that was a real waste of time. You must not really be a very busy small business owner. And that was one of her questions is whether or not I supported businesses when they weren't successful. Clearly, she had a lot of time to waste because she wanted to waste my time. So I also was told um, I had, there was a primary on the other side, and uh, I have been told that the gentleman who did not make it through the primary, very nice guy, I've been told directly by his campaign that he would like to run against me in two years. So that was very (laughs) front and center. Also weird. Um, I know. Very odd. There's a lot of unexpected experiences. One was Actually, on the other side, though, I, I will tell you, yesterday I happened to call a town hall because I was going to speak with a veterans officer. I come from a four-branch military family. I have both personal experiences and some ideas on supporting veterans because I feel that veterans shouldn't require their, their sacrifice to be a permanent infirmity in order to really tap into support services. Um, and this is something that I've actually worked on in my professional domain of public relations, where we have a lot of programs in our industry to support the transition of communications professionals from the military environment into the civilian professional world. So this is something I really leaned into. And so I wanted to uh, speak with the veterans officer. Well, I happened to get a delightful town historian, a volunteer. She's 85 years old, sharp as a tack. 
Uh, she's actually somebody who works off of, she works her tax bill uh, down through a program that Massachusetts uses. Um, that actually revealed another issue in terms of how that is or is not working well. Well, we ended up spending easily an hour on the phone. And it turns out that that same candidate I mentioned before is in fact marrying her grandfather, her grandson coming up. And so clearly her political, if you will, political affinity is not going to be probably in my direction, but we're making plans to get together for lunch. So cute. She's adorable. That's great. I think when people just take the political label aside and start to have a conversation with you as a person, it's a much more productive endeavor. Absolutely. And we need to do that a lot more. But yeah, trolls are out there and I just have to have my antenna up. Um, I've put myself out in the race. I have been assured by my now final uh, general election opponent. I received a a text from him because I called him to congratulate him. I called both the opponents to congratulate them. And I said, you know, I'm really looking forward to having debates and public forums. I really feel that that's important. I think, you know, now we have to take our, our ideas, our styles Um, our resumes to the voters directly. And uh, he sent me a text back and he acknowledged my message and said, uh, because we've done one forum as a threesome before the primary. And uh, he said, yes, I thought that that was very civil. But then he instructed me that in the future, I should communicate or my campaign should communicate with his staff. So, oh, the arrogance, the arrogance is outrageous. So I wanted to fill this role because I want to be the point person. I want to be accountable for the relationships across these four towns. I want to be the person who's driving ideas and solutions and engaging business and citizens and government and making important things happen for the people who are paying taxes. I don't want to hand it off to anybody. And That to me is what's wrong with government, but I'm learning that different people have different styles, but you know what, this is the the journey for, for women in particular is that you have to trust your intuition. You have to be authentic and clear and confident in your own voice. And you don't want to get pulled away from who you are. I actually found myself, uh, Jennifer, in that situation where I actually do some, I do writing for a living. So that piece of representing myself in writing is very important to me, and I want to get it just right. Well, for other people, I heard uh, expressions like, quote, just make it good enough for government work. Uh That does not resonate for me at all. I took my time. I worked and maybe overworked it for some people. But I think when you get it right and it feels comfortable, then you can take your ideas and your messages out on the road and you can be clear. And that's where we're at now. Don't try and be all things to all people. I would tell women to do that. Nobody should do that. Know what you're really good at and know where you want to bring in reinforcements. Know where the experts are. Listen. If you don't know something, don't try to be the expert but be committed to finding out more and be willing to listen to other people's ideas. I love that. I think that those are awesome lessons from the campaign trail. I will say that is one thing that I feel like I try to tell candidates a lot is you don't need to know everything, right? It's okay to say, I I don't really know how I would 
react to that or I what policy I would design for that or what legislation I would come up with or what I would what I would vote for. But I would be happy to learn about it. I'd be interested in your perspective and, you know, from hearing from the community, because especially in a more local race, like a state rep race in in a district of, you know, where you have 70,000 or so people in your district, right? What you have in your district is very different from maybe someone who is on the other side of the state, what issues are important to them. And so, I, you know, it's, it is more about the listening when you're running for office, because you shouldn't know everything. You know, if you know everything, it's like uh, you're, you know, the jack of all trades, right? You know a little bit about everything, but you are actually not an expert in anything. And you're not willing to listen to what other people's views are. So I think that those are excellent, excellent lessons from the campaign trail. And my hope is that you out there listening to this podcast are inspired to run because candidates come in all different stripes and all different backgrounds, all different education levels. But I think the one thing that I would love to communicate is something that Loring I believe has figured out um, in running for office as a female, which is the disgusting number of uh, the, the lack of representation, I should say, of women in elected office. And so here in blue, 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 bright blue Massachusetts, where our legislature is about 70 percent Democratic, we still only have 29% women and the population in Massachusetts is just like the national population is, which is 51% female. And so even in blue Massachusetts, we can't change that. And so we can't change it on just in one party. We have to change it in both parties. And in Loring's case, she has a great opportunity at a new district to be the woman from that district, to be the woman who, or the person who is listening to the voters, to all voters, not just one side and ignoring the other side. So, you know, I think that your, your being in this race, Loring, is um, very inspirational. I think that your background in business the fact that you have, you do understand the work that a administration, a, you know, governor can do and the influence that that has, the fact that you can work across the aisle and negotiate and collaborate are all very important skills to have because you have had to employ them in business. And that seems to be a, um, a skill and or a skill set that is completely lost on politicians these days. It is more of the dig our heels in the sand than to actually be able to talk to someone who disagrees with them and find solutions that are right for all people that they represent. I have to say, I would, I would encourage women to really peel apart their personal or professional backgrounds to look at the skill sets and be less hamstrung by any sense that you have to have a particular type of degree. My degree, which comes from our state public uh, university, 
is in fact a, a, a self-designed degree, a bachelor's degree of individualized concentration, which is to say I put together a degree that didn't exist, uh, which I made my life uh, a little difficult in doing that, but I think I got a very uh, rich academic experience. And then in, you know, when I set out for my career in public relations, it's a very broad ranging career. And I had the opportunity to work inside of state government and have tremendous success and impact and save a lot of taxpayer money as well as grow revenue. I was able to consult to the federal government with such success that the White House uh, told a United Nations Special Assembly that the work that we did should be replicated globally. And I ran for public office successfully and served on our select board and introduced our, uh, the first ever contract that was performance-based for our top management in our state government, which again, in our town government rather, and that in fact had never been done. And this is the crossover of business experience and real life experience and government. And I think that anybody who has had any sort of experience, whether it's being a substitute teacher in a school or volunteering for a nonprofit, which I have done, or any sort of employment can look at those skills and say, well, did I do customer service? Yes, I did. Did I handle a project or an event? Yes, I did. Do I have really strong beliefs about some aspect of my community? Yes, I do. And I would really encourage you to not sit on the sidelines. It's super easy, Jennifer, for getting back to your point on trolls. It is super easy for people to get onto the internet and just let, let her rip on the keyboard. And you know what? Shame on those people. It's much harder to actually put your heart and your time and your talent and your ideas and your reputation on the line by stepping into the arena. But it's also much more fulfilling. I always say you have no right to complain if you don't vote. And you have no right to complain if you don't get involved. It's super easy to complain from the sidelines. And they Hallelujah. call them Monday morning. Yep. They call them Monday morning quarterbacks for a reason, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Loring, that is exactly what makes me mad is that Massachusetts, again, you know, this is, we, we are a microcosm of what the United States is like. And unfortunately, I don't know, I don't know if many states are much better than this, but here in very well-educated Massachusetts, 21% of voters came out to vote in the primary. So when 21% come out, that means that the general election is decided by, you know, a quarter of the voters, because I don't care if 50% go to vote on election day, 20% had just made the decision of who gets to advance to election day. So that that is so terrible that we are in that position where people don't vote. And I feel like you you just you have you lose your right to complain if you're not voting. And the reason that we're in the situation we are today is because of people 
who decide, oh, this isn't important. This is just in my party. I'm not interested in any of these candidates. And that is really, really unfortunate for democracy because that's that's what takes a hit. And it's it's really the unbalanced representation. But I could go on and on and on because this really frustrates me. And I've done a podcast on this and I'll probably do 10 more on that. <laughs> but um, I would like to to offer, I would like to offer to any of your listeners, you know, no matter where they are, if anybody is contemplating uh, a run for office, I would be more than happy to speak with them. And I'm pretty easy to find loringbarns.com. I'm also on Facebook, uh, Loring2022. So between the two, Loring at loringbarns.com. I mean, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Anybody can find me. There's only so many Lorings in the world. <laughs> and uh, I would be more than happy to talk with them. I really do believe in giving back. I know that there were people certainly early on in my career who mentored me. I'm a very active mentor, certainly to college students, but to different people in different phases of their careers. I'm one of those people that is a connector. And I'm more than happy to be available to anybody who's thinking about this. Well, I appreciate that. And, um, and that is very important because it's all about us helping other folks who want to run. And I think especially for women, it is very challenging because I think in many of our, our fields and many of the things that we've all done, we have had women who have worked against us instead of working for us as women, which I always found really interesting and, and unfortunate. And so I have, as you know, tried to spend my career focusing on helping women because only we only know what it's like to have to say to your significant other, to your spouse, to your children, to your parents, hey, you know, I know you need to go to that doctor appointment. However, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit busy on the campaign trail, so I'll see you later, <laughs> right? So it takes all of us to work together. But Loring, I loved having you as a guest on this episode of Political Contessa. I wish you all the best. And again, if Loring's website for volunteers in the final weeks of the campaign or donations is Loring, L-O-R-I-N-G, Barnes, B-A-R-N-E-S dot com. And if you go on, you can see an option to volunteer or to donate. And it is so important to make sure that you go out and vote. If you don't live in Massachusetts, you, wherever you live, you live in California, you live in New Mexico, you live in Florida, you live in Chicago, Dallas, wherever you are, make sure you go vote because your voice does count. Your vote counts. And if you don't like what's going on, send emails, send letters, show up on your legislators doorstep, not doorsteps, not their homes. Don't go to anyone's homes. That's not right. But show up at their offices and let them know that you are unhappy. Pay attention to what, what is going on and what laws your legislators are voting for. So Loring Barnes running for the newly created Middlesex 8th District in Massachusetts. Loring, best of luck to you and hope to have you on once you become the next state representative for Massachusetts. Thank you for all your support, for your time, for your encouragement. And I listen regularly, so I'm always picking up nuggets. So thank you very much, Jennifer, for all your support and all the good work that you do to inspire people like me to actually jump in when I actually had the great opportunity to meet you, to talk to you about this. I, I think uh, a little fun little nugget. 
I had to call you back two days later and tell you I had tested positive for COVID. So <laughs> that was no fun. So I, I'm really pleased that I got this invitation after all of that. So thank you so much. It's a professional hazard. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I was clear. I know. Lauren, thank you. And thank you for listening to Political Contessa. I am Jennifer Nassor, your Political Contessa. Stay happy, healthy, and safe. Thanks so much for listening to Political Contessa. For all the ways to listen and to get the inside scoop on what's happening in center-right politics for women like us, head over to politicalcontessa.com. 